This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. We are in our second week of a series that, um, you know, I've just really enjoyed preparing for it. I enjoyed speaking from it last Sunday. It's hope for the home. Everybody say hope Hope. for my home. That's right, it's hope for all of our homes. It comes from the word of the Lord. And uh, last week we talked about taking safety measures, taking safety measures, looking for the little fox, little fox that make its way into our homes that ultimately could destroy our vineyard in bloom. That vineyard is our marriage. That vineyard is our finances. It's our relationship with our children. You name it, your life is in the process of being blessed by God. And if you're not careful, you can let little things come into your heart and into your home without, without the wrong intentions. But it can just make its way in. And if you leave it unaddressed over time, it could literally be the ultimate destruction to your home. But the good news is we're not left without hope. Somebody say amen. We're not left without hope. Because the Spirit of the Lord can give you insight, it can give you revelation, it can literally give you like a a spotlight or a flashlight and let you see, identify, and then acknowledge the very things that need to get out of your home. Today we're going to go a little further in this and uh, we're going to be like last Sunday we were kind of focusing on marriage, today we're going to be kind of focusing on parenting So for all of you that aren't parents, for all of you that your children now have grown and moved on and established their own homes, I need you to be mature enough and step up and and see how this can fit into your present day or better yet, possibly for those without children, uh, into your future if that's in your plans. So it's really important that you apply the word of God, not just to be a hearer of the word, but to be a doer of the word. And before we get started, uh, I'll say after this service is over, we'll be in our second week of growth track. And for all of you that attended last week, I personally look forward to seeing you today. I'll be teaching the material today in growth track. If you're new to Calvary and you want to know more about our ministry, as soon as this is over, we'll feed you. And I'll spend some time with you and talk to you about this local church that we love. Here we go. Today's subtopic is honor the home team honor the home team if you've ever been to a little league game collegiate game pro game there's always a home team and there's an away team or a visitor team and what I've always loved about home team is there is the home team advantage can I get an amen somebody there's a home team advantage but then also it even comes down pastor Anthony to the home team's concessions are just better than the visiting team's concessions Y'all didn't know it when y'all visited us, but we get like really good concessions. Y'all get like water. On the home team, we got like nachos and pizza and hamburgers and hot dogs and filet mignon and stuff. You ever notice visiting team seats are always in the sun? Home team, we got the shade. Our cheerleaders are better looking. (laughs) I got to stick to my notes. This thing could go bad quick. Here's the point. (laughs) 
Here's the point. I have no idea where that cheerleader thing came from, Ronnie. I just don't know. But here's the point, everybody. The point is we have to honor home team And the danger is that most of us have fallen victim to honoring visitors in our lives more than home. We businessmen happen to have more affinity, love, affection, time, and energy spent on the professional career than at home. And career is just a visitor because careers change. Careers come and go. We, we, we entertain visitors like sports. We entertain visitors like even investments. We entertain visitors in our lives and in our homes. And we put so much emphasis on the visiting team, the, the uh, outside influences that we forget when it's all over, said, and done. All, all that we really have in this world is our faith and our family. Trust me, in my calling that happens to be my career, it's very, very critical that I balance the relationship of my time with you versus my home. But it's not just me. It's you, school teacher. It's you, salesman. It's you, electrician and plumber. It's every one of us because we're pulled on to leave our homes for 8, 10, 12 hours just to come back home. Problem is, very seldom do we leave all that other stuff outside. We just go ahead and just bring it in with us. And the next thing you know, we're trying to honor the visiting team inside the home team's locker room. And there's got to be some boundaries set If we're going to have hope for our home, we're going to have to set some boundaries of what we allow in our home, not just dangerous influences like little foxes from last Sunday, but just time, energy, attention, and focus. We've got to make sure that our spouses are getting enough of our time. Got to make our kids getting enough of our time. Got to make sure that our home comes first. Like in my career and profession, I'll say it very gently but very strong. You're not near as important to me as my family. The minute you become more important to me than my family, just get ready. You'll have a new preacher because we'll be filing for divorce. Doesn't work that way, right? That's why you got to set some limits. There's a businessman in my community and your community that I happen to call quite often and we talk. And the times I can't catch him, his voicemail says something along the lines of, you know, uh, I'll, I'll do my best to catch up with you at a greater time. I met my, my son's, I think it's football or basketball, whatever he says. I met my son's uh, extracurricular activity, but he uses a different term for that. Here's my, here's my point. He gets it. He's going to be an in-touch dad at the ballpark rather than taking a call and getting caught up. How many of you in the room today with children could admit openly with, with, without guilt, but just openly with conviction, can't we all improve in honoring the home team? So let's learn something today, and let's try to do with it uh, some good. The book of Genesis, chapter number one, verse 27, the Bible says it this way. Genesis 1 and verse number 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, 
male and female created he them. Every single member of the family has value because we're all bearing the image of God to some degree because we were made in his image. Moms in the room, you bear the image of a nurturing God. Fathers in the room, you bear the image of an ever-present father. Children in the room, you bear the image of a life-giving God. God created every single one of us in his image, so therefore in our, in our dealings with our home and in our family and community, we're all representing the Lord. Are you tracking with me? And within that understanding, you can't go wrong when you show honor to the home. You, you'll never lose showing honor to motherhood, to fatherhood, and to childhood. You'll always be the winner if you'll go the extra mile in showing honor to the elderly and to the young. Honor wins, man. Honor wins. And teaching honor and teaching respect, it doesn't start in the schools. It starts in our own homes. Let me, let me tell you something. I'm not going to get stuck here because it's, it, it's too touchy of a subject matter. But we all want people to start teaching respect in the streets and honor in the streets. You don't teach that in the streets. You teach it at home. And that's why, uh, get on a little soapbox here just briefly, that's why it's important that we don't just throw away the model of the Word of God, the model of the home. Let me, let me, let me work a little bit here because i got to make sure you're tracking with me or you're going to get distracted and start tweeting something crazy. The model of the home has changed over the years. It once was mother and father and children. And now because of culture and because of a broken society, we have fatherless homes, we have motherless homes, we have homes that are dysfunctional and none of that is what anybody signed up for. But for all of us that are familiar with what I'm speaking of, that's not criticizing you. I'm criticizing the culture that's brought us to the place we're in because we're all a product of our environment. Are you understand what I'm saying? But that doesn't mean that we go back and throw away the right model. Just because we're in a broken society and our culture's gone awry doesn't mean that we take the original template by God and say, we're just going to live open-minded from here on out and we throw that away. If you, if, you, if you do that, it's going to be even more chaotic than it's already become. There's got to be a going back to the fundamental model of the family that's in the Word of God. And that goes for every single mom in the room, for every single dad, for every blended home, for every... For every home that's fractured and, 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 and broken, that doesn't mean that you're left without hope. That just means that we got to get our focus back on the right model if we're going to be healthy in our homes. Is this okay this morning? So in other words, let me say it this way. Today, it's so hot and popular to say, 
just, you just need to be more open-minded. Well, my being open-minded is what's gotten me in the situation I'm in. Well, y'all just need to be more flexible. Y'all, I never heard, know really who y'all is, but if y'all are part of the y'all, then it's you. Y'all just need to be more flexible. If they're talking to the Christian church, well, when the church gets too flexible, it becomes splintered and fractured, and it becomes unstable because we're double-minded. Is this okay this morning? So therefore, you've got to lay it down, live by it, and apply it. You got to live by it and you got to apply it. And that is, there are some roles that God has put in place for the family that brings about health, that brings about respect, that brings about honor, and it all starts at the house. So back to this respect thing, I, I found a really good scripture that I'm going to start reading to my children every night before we tuck them in and, and pray for them because we're going to have us some respect in my house, whether they like it or not. And if y'all have kids, if y'all have kids, y'all might want to start reading this to your kids. Proverbs 30, 17 says, the eye that mocks a father and that scorns an aged mother will be pecked out by the ravens of the valley and they'll be eaten by the vultures. Sleep tight. Don't let the big bugs bite. Check it out. You've got to start it at home. You dismissed. Matter of fact, we're going to run the offering three times on that one right there. That was solid. I told this story. I told this story in the first service. It wasn't in my notes. I'd forgotten all about it, but I was at Baylor Hospital visiting somebody having a baby, and I happened to have my little girl that I just baptized, Sayla. And it's interesting you're in this service, baby girl. You're not going to remember this. You were just like knee high, running around in a little diaper. And I had her, and we're at the hospital trying to be good pastors and welcoming in this new baby. And, and I said something in correcting her. She didn't like it, still don't like it. She didn't like it. And that little toot hauled off and kicked me in my shin. In front of church folk. And after she picked herself off the ground, we talked about it a little bit. And I said, you need to quit acting like your mommy in public. Kids got a way of humbling us. Here's the, here's the thing. If we don't start teaching honor, we're going to have more craziness in the streets. There is a level of authority. There is a, there is a flow chart of God's blessings. And, and, and I know I'm touching some, some sensitive topics, but my God, we can't keep apologizing. It's time we start applying the word of God to our lives and going with what we know that works, and that's God's promises. It's kind of like, I'm determined to be disobedient, but I expect the blessings of God. Doesn't work that way. We're going to have to wake up as a nation, wake up as a local community, wake up as a church, wake up as our families, and say, I'm going to practice obedience because I need the blessings of God on my life. And I'm going to learn how to show honor at home. 
All the moms in the house, let's give it up for all the moms. Where are the moms? Everybody loves mama. We love mama. We'd vote mama in in 2016 if mama had run. We love mama. We love mama. Mama, the idea of mama. Here's the thing. The identity of mom is not what it was in the 50s. The role of mom has changed. We've got mamas in this room right now that are pulling 60-hour work weeks just to go home and do it all again. We got mamas in the room that's got master's degrees, doctorate degrees. We got mamas in the room that you're the main breadwinner. We've got moms in the rooms that's juggling high-stress career, raising children and raising husbands too. We've got moms in the rooms that it's not barefoot pregnant in the kitchen anymore. That was yesterday. The deal is, in today's world, moms are critical. And here's the only thing I want to touch about this. In the black and white era of the 40s, 50s, or you name it, we viewed mom as the glue that held everything together. And when everybody was losing their sanity and going crazy, mom would step in and fix it. But guess what? Mom can only do what mom can do these days. And it's time that we stop expecting perfection from mom and us step up as dads and as children and fill in the gaps that mom can't handle anymore. Come on, somebody. You don't just, moms don't just give life. They don't just give birth. They're our first teacher. Before there's a Miss so-and-so in our lives or Mr. so-and-so in our lives, there's mom. Moms, don't forget how important you are to the teaching and the impartation, to the bringing up of the next generation. We're grateful that you're willing to work. We're grateful that you're willing to go outside of the home and earn. Some of you, you wish it wouldn't, that wasn't the case. You, you, you wish it was years back, but it is what it is today. And we're grateful for the hours you put in. But trust me, as good of a daddy as your kids may or may not have, there's no substitute for a mama. So I hate to be the one that celebrates you and be the one that also comes back to remind you, but no one, no one, no one can do what you do. I'm calling on all of us daddies and husbands to step in and do our best to alleviate. But trust me, we can't fill in for what mama can do. So I celebrate the moms. You're valuable. You were created in the image of God, and you're important to us. How about those daddies? Give it up for all the daddies. I don't know why y'all ain't standing. Standing ovation for all of us. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I just created warfare in the home. There's something about a daddy and guys, I'm just going to call it the way it is. 
I know this world and its culture says open, be, be open-minded. You got to be open-minded. You got to give room for people to be who they are. Not all men are the same. Let me tell you something about men. When you were born a male by the hand of the creator God, you were born with an innate desire, with, with a natural God-given want to, to protect and to provide. And I don't care how you twist it. I don't care how you medicate it. I don't care how you shift it. I don't care how you try to manipulate it. Down deep in every single one of us that were born a male, we want to feel like we bring strength to the table. And to all the dads in the room, your greatest strength is not your paycheck. Your greatest strength is not your wisdom. Your greatest strength is not your, your, your abilities and skills. Your greatest strength is, are you connected? Because Tommy Nelson said it the best way. When daddies go passive, the family dies. To all of us men in the room, I know we carry the stress of the traditional model of being the breadwinner. Some of you men work in two, three jobs. Some of you men have great careers and then on the side you got to make some spending money for the family because culture sucking every dollar that you've ever had. But can I tell you something? None of that's an excuse to go home and check out. If there's ever been a need for the male strength representation in the home, it's now. Mama's at her wit's end. Kids are at their wit's end. Come on, daddies. And this is not a beat-up daddy statement. This is a celebrate-you-good daddy statement. And for all of the other dads in the room, I want you to take some self-check. I want you to look yourself in the mirror and see some areas that we all can step up and be honoring the home, the home team, because our kids need us more than ever. Now, this was a fun one. What about all the kids in the house? Can we give it up for the kids? And I'm not talking about the little ones. All of us are somebody's kid. <laughs> I got tickled in that first service. I had one boy, I said, all of us are kids. And I had one old boy look me dead in the eye, man. He said, I'm like, you old crusty kid. That's all you are. Crusty kid. You ever notice how when people get old, they either get sweet or mean? You ever notice that? I remember daddy was so sweet, but then he got old. That or, I remember daddy used to beat us, and now he's all sugary sweet with my kids. It's like people flip-flop the older they get. They go from slapping to hugging and from hugging to slapping over, what, 50 years. I want to grow sweet when I grow old. That's why I can get a pass for being a little grumpy now. See, I'm just working on my sweetness the older I get. Children, and that's all of us, whether you're 60, whether you're six, we're all someone's kid. Let me tell you how valuable you are. In the book of Matthew, Jesus welcomed the children. And in that welcoming, he basically said without using words, kids, all the little children of the world, they matter. Red, yellow, black, and white, they are precious in my sight. It's just another way of confirming that God so loved the world. Jesus welcomed the little children, sat them on his lap, loved on them, and he basically said, these 
these matter to my kingdom. So all the dads and moms and kids, we all have value. But for the next few minutes, I want to shrink it down and I want to talk about parenting before we go home today. All of us as parents feel the pressure to provide and protect. All of us do. The generations before us, they slept at peace given the necessities of life. But you and I, we live in Dallas, Fort Worth. We live in one of the most blessed places on the planet Earth. We have more. We have more than the majority of the world will ever know. And there's a cancer that's running through each and every one of our homes when it comes to this thing called parenting because it's as though we can't give enough. Yesterday, was walking through a store with my wife and my two girls. And I looked at a family that was walking through as well and they had a son and daughter. And I thought, look at that. That's our world. That's our culture. Look at that. Because both kids were walking, holding little devices. And I, I thought, look at that, man. Get them kids off that device. And I said, Sailor. And there's both of my kids <laughs> holding little devices. I, one of them, they stole from somebody. I don't even know whose it was. <laughs> they done went to the technology section and just unplugged it. Beep, 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 beep. It's as though we can't give enough. We got to have them involved in every single extracurricular activity. We got to go the distance with them. And the cancer is, if we're not careful, we're having kids-centered homes. Homes where kids are calling the shots. And if we're not careful, we got 10-year-olds and 12-year-olds and 14-year-olds laying down the rules. And I could use a little humor here, but I, I got to be careful because it ain't funny. It's a problem. And not one person in here is innocent from it. If you got a kid, you're still guilty of it just because you got one. I can tell you, you're guilty. All of us are guilty. And we're living trapped in a city that demands for us to go broke for the sake of kids. And if we're not careful, we're going to get so off track that the little things in life become the main things. And the main thing in life will be forgotten and overlooked. For the next few minutes, I'm going to lay this one thing down for all of us to remember. Our jobs are to provide and protect. But there's a trump card. If you have offspring a son or a daughter, our number one most important job is to direct our children to Jesus. If you can be a blessing to them, be a blessing to them. But before we're being a blessing with materialism, does your children know that you're pointing them towards Jesus? I shared this in the first service and I conclude with it this way. I want you to take your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter six. Deuteronomy six is 
It's a portion of Old Testament scriptures, Deuteronomy chapter 6, found within the Old Covenant. Might be the best chapter on parenting that you and I will ever see when it comes to priorities. And whoever fast-forwarded that clock is wrong. Y'all are playing mean tricks on me today. Deuteronomy 6. The Bible takes the first five verses, one through five, and it makes these declarations. It's something called the Shema. It's Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. The first five verses summarizing now, we see these aren't my words. These are not, these are not daddy's words. These are the words of the Lord. This is what the Lord has proclaimed. And here they are, these four truths. There is a God. He is the Lord. He is our Lord and he requires our full devotion and worship. The very first step in our success as parents is not another trip and another, another gift. It's not, it's not another experience. It's the drilling. It's the teaching. It's the impartating, impartation of this truth. There is a God. He is the Lord, and He is our Lord, and He requires our devotion and our worship. Here's where we are. We live in a society that's been anti-indoctrination. We want everybody to be able to find their way. We have professionals in academia that will tell a parent, well, the little boy's six years old. You need to start letting him figure it out for himself. Your daughter, she's 10 years old. You need to let her explore. You need to give her a pass to explore. Let her find her own way. And the problem is we're living in a generation of people that have tried to find their own way. We can't find our own way. If there's anything that's the very foundation of Scripture, it is we can't find our way. And that's why Jesus is so bold to say, hey, hey, y'all, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. I've given you all of this time for you to try to find your way and you've meandered through idol worship. You, you meandered through self-worship. You, 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 you got tricked in, in believing all this and you got tricked into believing all that. I've just wanted to, I've had enough and I just wanted to come myself and speak as God. I am the way. Ladies and gentlemen, we're so anti-indoctrination that we're not even passing down the very fundamental beliefs of our faith. And guess what? It's not Pastor Rachel's job to teach your children the fundamental beliefs of your faith. It's not my job to teach your children the fundamental truths of your faith. As believers in Jesus Christ, it's my job as a dad to raise my children up. There is a God. He is the Lord. And he is our Lord, and he requires and believes us for our full devotion and our worship. And we just have to grind it and grind it and grind it and grind it. Because if we're not willing to play a role in shaping their faith, someone else will. 
If we're not willing in shaping their involvement with the Word of God, someone else will involve them in another reading. Pastor Tommy, this sounds real. Man, that's real strong. It's almost like it's cultish kind of thinking. Listen to me. You can be so anti-religion and, and, and you, you can be anti that, which I get the whole relationship, religion argument. I'm talking about you can be so anti-shaping of a child that you're basically throwing a kid into a war zone and letting him or her die. God has entrusted you with an offspring. And because of your faith in Jesus Christ and his grace and mercy upon your life, his grace is calling on you to bring up that child in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. It goes on in verses 6 through 19, and it says, not only is he to get our full devotion and worship, but let me tell you how we're going to do that. We're going to talk about the Lord as often as we can. When we're eating our food, we're going to talk about how God provided us this food. When we're out shopping, we're going to talk about how God's helped us with, with provision for our needs. When we're traveling, we're going to talk about God's mighty act of creation. We're going to look for every way possible to talk about the things of the Lord. And then in verses 20 through 25 in conclusion, Jeff, if you'll come help me. In verses 20 through 25 in conclusion, it finally comes to a question because all children have questions. There's a son in scripture that says, by the way, dad, I know you spent a lot of time talking about this whole thing about there's a God and he's gonna be my God and he's our family's God and I know you've taken me to church a lot and there's VBS and there's camp and I get it, I, I, I get all that, but dad, why do we do what we do? And our natural instinct is for us to go, don't ask some questions. You just need to do what we're telling you to do. That's not going to fly. You just zip it and just do what I told you to do. You just ruined everything. You're sitting there with a ball on a tee. We're talking, you just got a fast pitch major league player throw you an underhand fastball. You've just got it. The question of all questions. Mom, dad, why do we do what we do? How are you answering that at home? Well, babe, we just, we, we go to church. That's what we do. Why? Well, we're going to go see your grandma. And we're going to go, we're going to go to Spring Creek and hopefully beat that other church there. But, but dad, why, 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 why did you buy me a Bible? Well, you know, your grandma bought me one when I was your age. I thought it'd be kind of neat. The Bible says, when thy son asketh, why do we do what we do? Moms and dads in the room, listen, before you go eat, give them the reason. We were once in slavery to sin without a hope in the world. We were doomed and damned for an eternity apart from God because we were sinners, honey. Son, we were sinners. But God so loved you that he gave us Jesus. And Jesus died 
that you and I can be set free from a bondage and a lifestyle of sin. God has saved us out of the hand of Egypt and out of slavery. And what God's wanting to do now is he wants to set us free from all of our issues in life. Honey, you know that mommy and daddy ain't perfect. Son, you know our home is not perfect. I wish we could do some things in a better way, but God's hands on our life and we may not be perfect, but we're not what we used to be. The reason I want you to know there's a God and he is our Lord and that he wants our worship and devotion and the reason why we talk about him when we're eating tacos and the reason why we talk about him when we're on the way to the ball game, the reason is I don't want you to ever forget what God's done from this family. Really? Yeah. I want you to know him so much. I want you to know him for yourself. You know all the stories I tell you what God's done for me? I got a feeling there's gonna be, you're gonna have even better stories. And you honor the home team. I'm fixing to drop a bombshell on some of you. Some of you are more quick to share the gospel with a coworker that's going through a divorce or bankruptcy than your own kid. Because you just think it's gonna be picked up. It ain't being picked up. It's gotta be shared and taught. It's gotta be imparted. It's gotta be drilled. Did you stop? Did you stop one time and said, now what's two plus two, little Johnny? Five? Did you just leave it there? No, you went back and back and back and back and back until they could spell the, until they could hold the fork. Ladies and gentlemen, we're just, we're, we're, we're so close to walking away just thinking a VBS is enough, walking away from thinking Calvary's kids' attendance is enough. You are the mom, and you are the dad, and you're on the home team. And if you really want to honor your children, pour the love of God on them and tell them why you're doing it. Let me bring this to a complete close today. If you speed the story up into the book of Judges, we find something terrible. We find that God's man, Joshua, brings the people of the Lord into this promised land. And that generation, they, they honored God, they loved God, and they remembered God. They remembered that there is a God and he is their Lord. And they remembered that they would give worship and devotion. And they, they recited scripture and they recalled the reasons why they do what they do. But then somewhere along the way, someone dropped the ball and it was more important to go shopping. It was more important to go traveling. It was more important to sleep in. It was more important to please themselves. And the Bible says, not me, but the next generation did not worship God. Let me say it this way. You're just one generation from extinction in your faith and you can't lean on anybody to make sure that doesn't happen other than you that's a terrible ending of the story so I'm so glad to tell you that's not the end they had a generation go without giving their lives to God 
And the coolest part about God is he never stopped reaching for them. Even in the worst of the worst of the worst, when they turned to idol worship, he still reached for them. If you're a home represented at Calvary Church today, and without you ever realizing it, if you've gotten off track, the best thing in the world is being given to you today. And that's grace. He loves you. And it's not too late for you to get your home on the right track. Husbands, wives, mothers, fathers, Ayo, Calvary's kids that are in the room. You're on a home team. You may say, but I just have a single mom. Yeah, that's awesome. You have a single mom. That gives you a mom. But I have a single dad. I understand that's challenging, but you have a dad. Well, I live with my grandparents. I know, but you got your grandparents. But this, but that, but this, but that. Here's the thing. Let's not look for all the reasons why we can't be on a home team. And let's, let's look for the reasons why we are. And let's show honor and love God and love others. Stay with